Hi, Mike. Hello, Christy. We're actually recording like not a year after the last time no, we recorded. No, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty excited and impressed that we we've swung it. Yeah, we totally did. I'm it, gonna pour my coke. Yeah, you're the one. You're the one yeah. pouring into the glass today. Can you hear that? Oh yeah, that sounds beautiful. Podcast Landia. Yeah, I, uh, I had just told you I'm drinking coffee because although it is 1245, yeah. I haven't been up that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of Christmas vacation time. Yeah, it is. We, Are you not teaching right now? I'm finished with school and have a little break from my other writing job. So mm -hmm. this is, you know, getting ready. Going to see my parents for the first time in two years. So wow. that'll be that'll be nice. Yeah, I'm uh, crunching. I'm crunching a popular Spanish treat into yeah. the microphone. So instead of tacos, mm -hmm. we did a, a, a Spanish treat. A Spanish treat. That is um, kind of reserved for Christmas, but now they're available all year round because we have Central Market. Right. And these are called, um, they're like olive oil tortas. They're really tasty. Yeah. So if you're from Texas or if you're, I don't know, A familiar Spaniard? with, um, <laughs> with um, Mexican Christmas treats, there's a thing called buñuelos. That are incredible. It's like crispy cinnamon sugar oh God, they're treat. so good they're so good and i usually make them for us during christmas but i think its predecessor are these like spanish tortas that are made with olive oil and some of them have cinnamon and these are flavored with spanish oranges Ooh. fine mediterranean crisps i mean you know ines rosales Fine Mediterranean crisps. You can get them at Central Market. They're so delicious. They're really good. And I feel the, like I could eat 50 of them. Yeah, you could. And the savory ones, the ones that are just like olive oil or olive oil and rosemary or whatever, you can put like a little bit of like butter on them or nice. like a little bit of jelly or jam or whatever. And it's a dessert. Yeah, I mean, this was this was a lovely treat. And it does feel Christmassy. I don't know why. Why is or like... Around Christmas, they're just like, I don't know, man, throw some orange and stuff yeah, and it's going to get real. <laughs> orange and cinnamon. Yeah, and it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Yeah. I have no idea, but it is. Maybe it's because oranges were in the old world, Michael. Oh, the old world. Uh, were hard to come by. Like, yes. And orange was an expensive thing. So it was a really nice holiday treat. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that act, that makes perfect sense. So there. We, we did it. We, we did it. We talked about food. I have a question for you. All right. All right. As my questions always are a little convoluted, I'm going to talk through it. All right. And then eventually we'll get to the question. I'm ready. You know, you and I always talk about how <laughs> ghosts, ghost stories are a metaphor for grief and loss, uh -huh, right? Something uh -huh. that you're haunted by. Sure. And slashers are the consequences of immoral <laughs> behavior yes. among teenagers. Fucking teens. Fucking teenagers. Zombies. Are avarice or capitalism yes. or consumerism or whatever. Yeah. Um, what, what, what is vampires? <sighs> That's a great question. So what are vampires symbolic of? Um, I think, and this will be a convoluted answer. I think um, vampires are symbolic of two things that go hand in hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> Our absolute fear of death. Yeah. Um, so basically the desire to live forever. And I also think they are symbolic of what we are willing to give up of our humanity uh -huh. to gain 
life, power, all of those things. Oh, yeah. Because to me, the main, the most interesting thing about becoming a vampire is, yes, you can live forever. Right. You know, um, you generally, we are shown vampires because they live for so long, accrue immense wealth. Right. uh, Can have various lovers Uh throughout time, all of those things. But the more you do it, the more you you have to feed on human blood, right? Right. And so the more monster you become. Yeah. So that to me is what uh, vampires are are metaphors for. Do you think there's, is there room in there also for kind of like um, what happens when you uh, open up yourself sensually or sexually to the to what's forbidden yes i mean absolutely and i think this is that's the perfect segue to talk about what we're going to talk about today right i believe uh while bram stoker probably is responsible in pop culture in the west for establishing Uh rules of vampires and rice is responsible for changing the game and introducing or at least popularizing obviously like vampires have been sexy long before Anne Rice right but popularizing the idea of opening yourself up to what 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 you said what is forbidden right and so this idea that sexuality becomes fluid that morality becomes fluid uh, I think she is as I think there is like pre-Rice vampires and post-Rice vampires. Right. And and she changed the fucking game. She did. So as most of you know, if you are horror fans and if you're if if that's why you're listening to our podcast, if we you would are, assume. We would assume. Um the great Anne Rice passed away. Um yeah. what, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. But yeah. two weeks ago. I was so sad michael like i texted, yeah, you, texted you immediately me. and i was i mean i immediately I, I don't know i i was like all right i guess i'm watching interview with a vampire right now and i did and there were moments in the movie that made me weep that have never made ah. me weep before sure roxy's back. roxy's back um yeah i mean i i uh i mean i'm obviously a fan of hers uh you know, Aspen, my, my wife is, uh, was like you, is heartbroken. I mean, yeah. she, she texted me, she said, she was like, man, I wish I could be there. You know, she was uh, obsessed in, in college with Anne Rice's novels. I mean, Aspen has read the Vampire Chronicles essentially in their entirety. Right. She's read The Witches of Mayfair. She's uh-huh. re- I mean, so, uh, you know, you know, when she met Anne Rice, she fucking freaked out right. and acted like a weird 12 year old. Right. Um, so she, she was very upset about it. I am upset on a, like, man, I, there are very few writers left with that level of pop culture influence. Right. Um, I mean, I guess rolling, uh, I guess, although she's been canceled or whatever. Right. King. Yeah. But, um, but it, I mean, King, it's to me, rice it's is totally different. different. Yeah. I mean, I you know, interview with a vampire was published in 1976, 1976. Yeah. And, you know, 10 years later, 1980, you know, something I little teenage Christy Vela is walking around with, I walked around with 
two books, okay? Mm-hmm. Two books, my entire high school career, Interview with a Vampire right. was one of them, and No One Here Gets Out Alive, <laughs> the Jim Morrison biography, Hell yeah. was the other one. Like, those were the books that I carried with me sure. in my bag. I had the Communist Manifesto, oh, so... Well, of uh, course. Yeah, I mean, I and I think one of the reasons she is, I think, different than, say, King, who I... Look, when King... This sounds horrible. When King dies, but I mean, he's an old man. Yeah. I mean, he has a huge influence on the genre, but I think she was, because of so much of what she wrote, was the Vampire Chronicles. Uh Uh-huh. She transformed, on one, like, one side of things, she transformed an entire subgenre of horror. And then, like yourself, I think she had an insane influence on an entire generation, not only of women, but very heavily of women. Very heavily of women and very much, um, I mean, goth culture. Yes. Honestly. Absolutely. I mean, and she became synonymous with like New Orleans goth culture. Right. Because she lived there most of her life, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, she... I mean, there's like three... Okay, there are two... Bram Stoker and Anne Rice. Mm-hmm. Before Bram Stoker, there was Sheridan Le Fanu who wrote Carmilla. Which I think actually influenced Anne Rice. Yeah, um, very much so. Yeah. Um, in the kind of like the sensual, yes. you know, nature that, and homoerotic nature yes. of vampirism. But that novel, on the grand in the grand scheme of things, has never had, and it's not a not saying anything about the work. No. It just has not had the cultural influence that fucking Dracula that had. Dracula has, right. And then, so you have Stoker kind of lay out the rules so much so that Rice has to reference Stoker to undo certain rules. Right. And then, yeah, you have, I was watching um, the history of horror we talked about over Halloween. Uh, and so one of the episodes is um, vampires. Mm-hmm. And like you have major, major heavy hitters in the world of like horror film and writing. So it's like Eli Roth, whatever you think about him, Rob Zombie, Stephen King, all of these people uh, talking about like once Rice published Interview, like that genre was never the same. Right, right. Um, now, some people will go back to Stoker, of course. Of course. Like you can't, I mean, unravel Stoker from pop culture. But, like, there, it was never the same after Anne Rice. No, it wasn't. So much so that, like, uh, you know, a whole other mythology. Stop it, Roxy. I don't know why Roxy's misbehaving she's, today. She's fired up, She's man. fired up. Go away. Let's stop. John will edit this. <laughs> she's a vampire. She has influenced the the mythology, I mean, so much that after her, like you said, there have been other kind of like mythologies, vampire mythologies that pop up and, and stuff like that. And like the, the, the big one is what, Twilight. Twilight, right? sure. And there's kind of like, there's a divide between those of us who are like, interview with a vampire the vampire chronicle super fans Mm -hmm. and then the twilight fans like those of us on the Anne rice you know side of things are like vampires do not sparkle Sparkle. sure they are not nice right 
right? They are brooding. Right. And sometimes have to fight themselves to not kill you. But more often than not, right. they're going to kill you. Yeah. Like, it's not a nice- Because they are monsters. Because they're monsters. But at the same time, I mean, I think what you're saying is like Twilight never exists without Anne Rice. Oh, like, absolutely I haven't, not. I have not read Twilight. I don't know if- I'm sure that'll surprise a lot of people because um, um, I'm a snob. But um, <laughs> the first time I watched the first movie, when I was watching it with Aspen, I literally turned to her and was like, so do they pay Anne Rice like right? residuals directed exactly. directly or does she have to sue them right. to get the money that they fucking owe her? Right. Um, and I think you not only have Twilight, you have True Blood and the novels that True Blood is based on, uh-huh. the Sookie Stackhouse novels or whatever they're called. Again, like a direct, and I don't think, look, I have nothing against the woman who wrote Twilight or those Sookie Stack. I don't think either of those women would deny that Anne Rice that Anne Rice, yeah. totally influenced right, which them. Right, is, which is okay. We yeah. are all influenced by, you know. Right. Um, and so. And I guess like you can't write, you can't write Lestat and Louis again, so you have to do your own thing. Sure. But you're right. They, they would not exist without no. Anne and, Rice. And I mean, I think even... There are, man, and he would probably maybe argue with me. Coppola, when Coppola and I get into it, I honestly- Let's ask Jeffrey Schmidt. Let's ask Jeffrey Schmidt. I honestly think there are moments in Bram Stoker's Dracula directed by Francis Ford Coppola (laughs) moments that are more influenced by Anne Rice Rice than Bram Stoker. Stoker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the main character in What We Do in the Shadows, the the kind of the lead of that little vampire group- is based on on the Louis character. Yes. Like, that's who he is. Yeah. Uh, he's this romantic that yeah. wants to like humans, but can't help himself. And I mean, she, I think she, that, yes, she defined that. And then she defined it through, I think, Louis, right? Yeah. There was so much that was going on in, in, her, in her own life that caused her to write Interview with a Vampire. And... The, the, the biggest thing that happened was that she lost her daughter yeah. when her daughter was very young. Um, so when she's writing Claudia, yeah. she's writing her daughter. And she's, I mean, the whole book is about loss and how do you, yeah. come, how do you come back to humanity after, after something is ripped from you so horribly. Right. That's and, unnatural. And another, I think that's another great metaphor for the vampire, right? Loss in a different way than ghosts. Mm-hmm. This, if you if you could hold on to the thing you loved, right? Even in some horrible form, right? Because Claudia is a fucking monster. Claudia is a monster, and you're right because the beginning of Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, right? Francis Ford Francis- Coppola's <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's like a, it's like a bad. It's not. E- it, that's not from Bram Stoker. No, no. The part where Dracula is like Elisabetta. Elisabetta, no. and he like stabs the cross, and he's angry because yeah, the fiance who looks like Winona Ryder, <laughs> Elisabetta, has thrown herself. Like that's not in the novel at all. No, in Bram Stoker. We don't know why the fuck he's a yeah, vampire. Yeah, he just is what he is. He just is what he There's is. There's no, I have traveled across time. I have, and, yeah. I have crossed oceans of and they, time So they turn, you. I mean, I thought one of the things Coppola does really well, we're just talking about vampire movies. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things Coppola does really well in that movie, uh, and we've talked about that movie at length, 
is creating both a romantic Dracula, which right. is like badass top hat fang boner, oh, Gary God. Oldman, oh. and a monster. And a monster. And so he takes sort of the Stoker monster, the rice romantic, and and puts them puts them together. Puts them together and yeah. gives gives Count Dracula a romantic reason for doing what yes, he does. Which is not which in is the not book. in the book. Yeah. But it is it is kind of in interview. So we're going to talk about the movie. I have, I have, um, I have an Anne Rice story that yes. I shared online, but, um, I'm, I'm going to share it here it's in incredible. the podcast because it is an incredible story. Um, back in the nineties when Memnock the devil came out, mm-hmm. I bought it, of course. Sure. And Anne Rice was going to be in town at yeah. the Barnes and Noble that used to be on Preston and Forest. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Isa was about nine months old, eight months, nine months old. Um, and I made time to go and stand in line. I stood in line at the store. The store was packed. Sure. I mean, it was like so many she's people. A, I mean, she's a rock, rock star. star. She was a rock she star. She is one of the few rock star writers Authors, we've, right. we've had. Yeah. And so we're all standing there in line, right? Waiting. And she's not there yet. And then suddenly, like seriously, Michael, a horse-drawn horse hearse pulls up in front of the store Hell right yeah. and she gets off the hearse and she's wearing a black victorian style wedding gown and she's tiny and she's tiny she's a tiny woman and she's wearing a black veil and she's like gothed out i mean she looks like something out of like a Susie sue video or something yes. I mean, and gorgeous like she's, she's a beautiful lady and she, you know, is floating, like floating through the store. She knows exactly what she's doing, right? Right. And super theatrical. And we're all kind of like in awe, just quietly watching her walk into the store, make her way through the store to the table where she's going to sign books. And she turns, like something catches her eye, and she turns and she's looking directly in my direction. And she's, she, she like shifts her, her path and starts walking towards me. And I'm like, oh my God, like what, what is she coming towards me? What is happening? And she gets to right in front of me and she bends down because I had Isa in the stroller in front of me. Right. And she picked Isa up out of the stroller and looked at me and said, this is the most beautiful baby I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> fucking incredible. And then she kissed Isa on the cheek and held her. And started walking away. <laughs> She's going steal your baby. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, Anne Rice has taken my baby. Like, yeah. what is going on? And her handler was like, come with me, come with me. <laughs> and so like, I was like, okay. And so that, there I am following her with my stroller and my copy of Memnock the Devil. And she sits at the table and I get pushed to the front of the line. Excellent. Thank you, Isa. Yeah. And she has Isa on her lap and she's like signing books and Isa's on her lap for about like 10, 15 minutes. And a goth child was born and that day. And a goth child was born. And then I'm sitting, and then she like hands her to me and she goes, goodbye, little one. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, my daughter was anointed by the queen of the dam. Yeah, like, man. And so if you know my daughter, yes. if you've seen my daughter and you ask why, Isa, that's why. Yeah. Like it, it, was, there was, it, it was ordained. It was ordained. And years later- when she got on Facebook, not really realizing like right. what kind of access yes. she was granting her fans, you know, um, I wrote to her, of course. And I yeah. said, oh, I, 
posted on her page. I said, Miss Rice, you don't know me. You will not remember <laughs> this. But this happened. And she was so kind. And I like posted a picture of Isa. And she was really kind. Like she pretended like she remembered. Sure. And she was like, of course I remember. What a delight. And then she was like, look at this dark beauty. She has <laughs> turned into a beautiful goth woman. You know, like all this stuff. She didn't have to do that, man. No. She was so kind and so gracious and lovely. Like it just made me love, love her, her even more. Even more. And every story I hear about her and how she was with her fans. I'm getting choked up. Um, she was that way. Yeah. I mean, when Asp- Aspen met her, I think at half price and and had, you know, I, like, look, a moment you have when you meet someone you idolize. A superstar. Yeah. And someone you you who really changed your life. And she, you know, Aspen still is upset that she couldn't really form words. But she said Anne Rice was obviously used to that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like, yeah. I mean, and, and I do think... Again, like you, she said, she's one of the few rock star authors we've had, right. and that, and and honestly, that we will have. Like, I again, I, I don't think, I think King is that in a different way. I mean, I think because she, because there was another thing she did, and I think Rolling is as well, despite all of the right things that have happened. I mean, you you these are people who have defined generations, right? Uh huh. But I think the difference, and I think with King, is that while he he doesn't write the this expansive, he has the universe of of Castle Rock or Derry or whatever Maine, his Maine, right? But he's writing a million different things, right? Right. She is in some ways writing a universe akin to like Lord of the Rings, right? Just, I mean, I think she had thirty six novels. Um, Whereas, like, you know, Tolkien did it in four or five or whatever. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, blah, blah, blah. So that it, it's that there is this interconnected universe that mm-hmm. she's created. Like, you know, people talk about, like, the Potterverse, like the Harry Potter world or whatever. We talk about the Lecterverse. We do. Um, she did that. She and, did that. And so that, that characters that are huge in Interview with the Vampire, like Louis, mm-hmm. who is essentially the not essentially he's the protagonist he's the protagonist of interview turns up in other books right maybe in a small part or whatever um and so she created this expansive universe that then allowed her to explore especially with lestat you know what he becomes right a rock star a rock star (laughs) and that defies the laws right and like goes out and he gets so powerful he like goes out into the sun and shit um that's its own thing man and people get so connected to that so like you know it it george rr martin i guess would be another yeah game of thrones it's it's part of that subgenre of horror that I love so much that is not really easy to do and it's kind of like rare when you find that gem of like southern gothic mm-hmm. horror and I think that because so much of her stuff does originate and and take place in New Orleans like throughout the ages yeah. right um it fits into that yeah little you it's know perfect niche. And, and it also I think I mean, especially in interview, like it shows New Orleans. I mean, I I'm, I don't know enough about history, but I mean, it shows New Orleans as like the 
this port city that brought in people, especially a lot of French people, from all over the world. Right. I mean, and it's like she's not just famous for for the interview books. She for the vampire books, she's got the Witches of Mayfair, of course. Mm-hmm. But there's another book that was also turned into a movie that it's I can't I looked for it everywhere I, I'm gonna have to buy the DVD and I'm going to and it's not necessarily a horror m- book but mm-hmm. it is a New Orleans story and it's called uh, the Feast of All Saints and it takes place among I'm gonna try and pronounce this correctly it's about the Jean du Colieu Libre which is um, people of color who are free so before the Civil War in mm-hmm. the United States, in New Orleans, there was already a huge population of free people of right. color. And they were mostly people who were um, like of, of three cultures. They were black and French and Spanish. Right. Um, and a lot of them, most of them who lived in New Orleans were free landowners and in some cases gentry. Right. Um, and so Feast of All Saints happens in, in that environment in pre-Civil Civil War. War. And um, you can't get that movie anywhere. I mean, I'm going to have to order yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm like actually it. buy a copy of it. Yeah, like a DVD. Yeah, I mean, she, and like, there was a whole other thing. I mean, I know she, and I know a lot of this because of Aspen, to be honest, like she read everything. You know, I think there was a time when Rice really struggled with her religion. Oh yeah. And then came back to it. She's Catholic. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, so she, she had left the church and then came back to it, Mm -hmm. but then had some serious issues, especially with with the way the church viewed homosexuality. Right. Um, And so like that was, I mean, there's even, even running through interview and even the vampire Armand, like before he becomes Armand. Right. Because that's not his name. Um, he has one name when he's in Eastern Europe, but then when he comes to Italy in the Renaissance, he changes his name specifically to Amadeo, which is lover of God. Right. And so she deals with this idea of, of when you become a vampire, mm-hmm. do you fall from grace? Yeah. You know, and, and that's clearly something she's dealing with for decades. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's she is Louis. Yes, I mean she she is Louis, and she, may, maybe would be better at it than Brad Pitt. Yeah, maybe <laughs> she would. I mean, we're going to talk about the movie in a little bit, but I mean, it's it's like her life and the way she wrote about it in the in the Vampire Chronicles is just it's really really compelling. It really is this. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I don't want to imagine what it must be like to lose a child, but I can imagine that it causes you to want to burn the fucking, fucking world, world sure because it's wrong and unnatural yeah and so what do you give into that do you give into that i'm gonna burn the fucking world right or do you try to retain your humanity, humanity? yeah and especially um, and also like what does that do to your if you are a person of faith if you are super religious catholic or otherwise what does that do to your faith yeah like Come on. Um, Yeah. And so I think all of these things are what make her books, especially the, 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 oh God, I can't talk. The early Mm -hmm. uh, Vampire Chronicles, 
way more complex than just it's a vampire story. Right. You know? Or, uh, you know, I'm going to a new high school and I meet this guy who's I mean, he does. He's so handsome. And there's also (laughs) werewolves. Right. Um, Right. So, but again, I was going to say, but there there is a thing that she does like, the way she crosses over witchcraft with witches, with, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, also there wouldn't be the American Horror Story coven without her. Without her, yeah, and 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 she is, um, again, not the first. I mean, God, we had Dracula versus Frankenstein versus the Wolfman back right. in the day, but like, she is, she's genre defining. Yeah, she's like, oh well, of course, if there are vampires in the world, there has to there be. has to be these other things, right? Right. Um, right. And so, yeah, I mean, so she writes Louis, she writes an interview with a vampire, which centers on Louis, and she creates this fucking rock star vampire who's Louis foil. Yeah, man. Constantly trying to, you know, tempt Louis over into the dark side. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, he just makes him a vampire, but, you know, tries to get him to, like, leave the last bastions of his humanity behind. Uh Uh-huh. And this is the vampire. How do you pronounce it, Michael? Lestat or Lestat? I say Lestat. Lestat. But I, I don't know if that's correct. No, I mean, that's how they say it in all the films. Yeah. So that's what we'll go with, Lestat. And, um, I and, mean, and what a fucking badass character. What a badass character. And then, so after Interview with a Vampire, she writes the vampire Lestat. Yeah. And then after that, she writes The Queen of the Damned. Right. So that's, that's the vampire trilogy. And then there's more, but those sure. are like the big ones. So... Do we want to talk about yeah, let's interview? Tra- I mean, yeah, we can talk about interview and we can talk about Queen of the Damned. Yeah, we should talk about both. Yeah. Oh, God, oh, God. Damn, Queen of the Damned. Um, I mean, interview, I brought it up over Halloween. I mean, this is, we watch it every year. Um, yep. I have to admit, I watch it more than once a year. Sure. It's, it's, in, it's in the regular rotation. Um, I, look, I love it. Uh, there are things, we, this time when we watched it, and Aspen asked me to bring this up, uh, this time when we watched it, <laughs> She just kept saying, why, why didn't Johnny Depp play Louie? I know. I kept saying the same thing. Like, why? I think we, why, we've had this discussion before. Why didn't Johnny Depp play Louie, Christy? I don't know. So, okay. So, when they were making, what is it, Michael? Is it, what, 1990? Uh, I can't remember. It's mid-90s. It's yeah. like 95, 96. It's when Dunst was a kid. Yeah. I'm trying to get the year. I think it's Kiki Dunst's. One of Kiki Dunst's best performances. She's so good in she it. She is like freakishly preternaturally. She is, good. truly. Um, in fact, uh, Anne Rice taught me the word preternatural. Um, and Kristen Dunst as Claudia is. Uh, uh, yeah, fantastic. Un- un- unreal. So when, when word hit the street that they were making this movie, uh-huh. I mean, people went fucking nuts yeah like, who's gonna play and the, the more important question was who's gonna play Lestat yeah because while Louis is the protagonist Lestat's the rock star yeah man it's the idea of like oh, this is a weird because I'm such a nerd boy but like fucking hey dude he's Han Solo mm-hmm. like, he's way cooler especially in the first one he's way cooler than Luke Skywalker yeah, absolutely y'all. <laughs> like, absolutely I mean Lestat <laughs> is the one that we all wish we had the balls to be yes um and so they announced the casting. And at the time, like, I mean, Brad Pitt is still a huge deal right now. But at the time, Brad Pitt was just becoming Brad Pitt. Yeah. So nobody really cared. Um, and he was super hot. So everybody was like, okay, yeah, Brad I mean, Pitt I, as a vampire. I mean, he Great. was cast because he was super handsome. Yeah. Right. Then they announced Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. As Lestat. Controversial. And people lost their fucking minds. People because got it, really angry. People got really angry. So just for you... 
people out there who are not super fans of interview, when she wrote the vampire Lestat, in her mind, she always pictured Rutger Hauer. Yeah. And specifically Rutger Hauer in Blade Runner. Sure. Uh, and if you don't know why that is, go look up Google, Google. Go young Rutger Hauer. Go Google young Rutger Hauer and you'll understand why. So in her mind, it was always Rutger Hauer. Yeah. Um, And then they cast Tom Cruise. Who is, I mean, physically probably, I don't know. A foot. A foot shorter. I mean, at least in real, honestly, like six or seven inches shorter. And a brunette because it's very, very clear in the the novels that Lestat is blonde Blonde. and tall and beautiful. Yeah. And, um... And she immediately, she, she was, was she was pissed. She was pissed. She was really, 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 really pissed. I read an old interview where King defended her. Yeah. Because people talk shit and, and he was like, um, you know, you make movies of our books and then you expect us to be silent. Fuck right. you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and I'm sure he was like thinking about The Shining. Of course. <laughs> but... But then... Then but she saw Tom then, Cruise. Then she saw Tom Cruise yeah. as Lestat. And I have to tell you, and I've told you this before, I say it every time, I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan. I mean, he's a superstar and whatever, and there's stuff in him that I love him in and that I love to hate him in. But I think it's one of his best performances ever. I agree. It's like he's so natural in it. Yeah, I agree. And I think, look, the blonde thing is so easy to overcome. I mean, I know that's something like people latch on to. Also, he doesn't have fangs, y'all. Yeah, exactly. They're not real either. But they get like a really good costumer. Right. And then uh, and, right. a, and a wig person. And, right. And now, now and Tom contacts. Cruise is blonde and you give him contacts and he has blue eyes. Right. Now, look, he is still a sh- short. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. To quote my friend, and I am sure I have said it before, who once ran into Tom Cruise on the Fox lot. And I was like, what was it like? And he was like, this isn't going to make sense, but I swear to God, he was walking two feet above the ground. Yeah. And I was like, that makes perfect no, sense. No, it makes perfect sense. It doesn't sense. matter and and that Tom Cruise is 5'7 or whatever. And it whatever. makes perfect sense for Lestat. Yes. The, every time he's on screen as Lestat, and honestly, in most things. Most I mean, things. this is the man's gift. Yeah. You... I don't know. I mean, like... You just want to look at him. Ju- yes. And yeah, he's good looking, sure. But it's not just that. I mean, it is the age old... I don't know what it is, but he's got it. Right. He's got it more than anyone. Well, he's Tom fucking Cruise. What I mean about this, though, is like there are things where, you know, he's on screen and you're going like, oh, he's doing that Tom Cruise trick. Sure. Right? But oddly, the Tom Cruise trick is what Lestat is. Yes. And I think this goes to the idea of he's actually awesome as a monster. Yes. Because he is alluring. I mean, beyond his like looks. Right. Which he's a, yeah, you know. He's a good looking guy. He's a fucking movie star. <laughs> he is, he has energy. He is alluring, but like he's real good at being a fucking asshole. Yeah. And a monster. And I think he's fantastic. And I think Dunst is fantastic. Yeah. And I think, sadly, although it still works because he is beautiful, it makes Pitt look all the worse. Yeah, it and, does. And I, uh, that's why, like, uh, yeah, we went through these lists yeah, of like, Aspen, who would have made a better. Uh, yeah, and, and, we, and, and we landed on, we landed on Depp. He would have been perfect. Brooding. Oh, man. And then I Googled pictures of 1996 Johnny, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, yes. And I'm like, fuck, fuck, man, he looks just like what. 
he's Luke, described as yeah. in the novel. And and I, I you, look, man, a million things go into casting, and, right. and 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 I will say this in defense of of one Bradley Pitt because God knows he needs me to defend him. <laughs> I think people because he. he while he was famous, he was not Brad Pitt. No, he wasn't. Yet. He was no. He had he had just done uh, Thelma and Thelma Louise. Louise, and then I think um, what is it the the other where he's like Legends of the Fall. Yeah, he's this beautiful man. He it took him to reach a level of fame where Brad Pitt, I think maybe Twelve Monkeys helped, and then Fight Club or whatever, where Brad Pitt was powerful enough to say, "Here's the deal." I'm actually a character actor who is trapped in the body of one of the most beautiful men on the planet. Right. Let me do weird shit. Right. Which I love him. I love him. He is a character actor. Yeah. I mean, he's always good when he does the crazy weird shit. But Louis is very much- Aldo Ray? Yes. It's one of my favorite characters. But Louis is very much like- Leading, brooding, leading- Man, which I think Depp would have made super awesome because Depp can be leading man and Depp can yeah. be character actor, and he would still my, manage to find some weird quirk, right? Um, and this, yeah, I mean, you know that um, Doyle, who is the interviewer, yeah, was originally oh. supposed to be played by River Phoenix, yes. which would have been just Chef's kiss for that movie, yeah. And then, you know, he died yeah. and they replaced him with Christian Slater. Not Christian Slater's fault. No, and I actually believe they were friends. They were friends. All of those guys were yeah, friends. And yeah, and so I think it was, you know, for Slater uh, you know, was, a, was a thing that you do to yeah. honor your friend. For those of you that don't remember, River, when oh, River God. Phoenix died, it was as devastating to us as it was for some people when Heath Ledger died. Yes. And it, I was devastated when Heath Ledger there, died. There are only two deaths from my youth, pop culture-wise, not like family-wise. Is the other one Kurt Cobain? Of course. I yeah. mean, those are the Me two... Too. Those are the two... Um, I mean, it's it's River Phoenix and and Cobain, and I think Cobain's, you know, was larger for many reasons. But if River Phoenix had lived, oh man, because he was already like the most gifted actor of his generation. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, go watch Stand By Me. Yeah, he's he on his twelve different fucking level. Yeah, I mean, and they was, all admit it. Yeah, they he was doing something different Dude, already. Side note: I know we've. Whatever. I, I watched a brand new interview with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. So like done this month. Right. Keanu Reeves, who's in his mid fifties mm-hmm. and they fucking ask him about, uh, private my Idaho. private Idaho mm-hmm. and like, he cannot get through talking about it. Oh my God. And I'm like, to this day, mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves is devastated. Still devastated by this. Yeah. If you've um, never seen my private Idaho, go watch it. Yeah. It's great. Um, so anyway, look, I, I, I don't think Slater is great. Like you said, that is not his fault. That was right. not, he, he took over that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think if, if you follow what happens to that character later in the vampire Chronicles, if they had made those movies, Phoenix would have been incredible. Yeah. Um, he would have, I mean the other one and, and I know that Aspen and I disagree on it. She does not like Antonio Banderas as Armand. No. And I, and I can see why he is, this is her and she, this is, I mean, she's, I've been texting with her. This is her argument. He is a boy. Yeah. He's supposed to be a boy and is supposed to be a boy. Um, I mean a very old vampire who right. appears as a boy 
and Phoenix would have been great in that role, yeah, actually. Uh, or Baby Ledger. <laughs> oh, that's true. I don't know if he was known yet, but we had talked about Baby Ledger. But but she said the so so she thinks it actually kills a huge part of the film mm-hmm. in that Armand in the book is supposed to be a direct foil with Claudia, right? And so Claudia watches as her protector, protector, her throws father. her over for another child, right? And to have Antonio Banderas, who is more man than Brad Pitt, uh, and is a grown ass, handsome, powerful man, right? Um, she thinks undercuts it's a true. huge part of Claudia's story. She's right. She's absolutely right. But Antonio Banderas is still super fucking hot. He's real good looking. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. And I think so Aspen's Aspen's problem with Banderas is connected to what Armand is in the book. And in the book, yeah, he's. I think he's viewed to be 16 years old. You know, yeah, he's 16. You know, also Banderas in his own country of Spain was also a character actor. Yes. And again, uh, uh, I don't love Banderas in this film. I don't, bl- I don't blame him the same way I don't blame Pitt. Banderas is awesome when he gets to have fun. Weird, crazy shit. Yes. If you go and see him in Almodovar movies, yeah. he's like doing kooky, crazy and character And even shit. in Rodriguez movies. Right, yeah. and, and that is in, in two languages this man kicks ass. <laughs> um, what's the uh, Mambo? Oh, fuck. Anyway. Mambo we, Kings? Yeah. Is he, he doesn't, he show up in that for like a minute am i crazy no i think he does anyway so he's great in a lot of shit i don't again i don't blame him for this yeah i mean but a lot of the i mean this movie this this this, is like neil jordan just like get me very attractive men (laughs) this book is so big and the story of interview with a vampire is so before you even get into the vampire listat before you even get into queen of the damned interview with a vampire in by itself is huge. Huge. And you can't condense it into a, a 90, mo- a 90 no. minute movie. Like there's so much that is lost yeah. in the film. Like you, you jump from, you jump from the whole Claudia storyline in Paris, uh, and the Théâtre du Vampire. Oh God, which I uh, love so much. I do too. And then you jump like a century yeah. into the future after he's been with Armand for a little bit. Right. I will tell you, and I know you love this guy, Stephen Ray. I was just about to bring it up. Yeah. Legit. Look, Cruz is awesome. Dunst is awesome. Everyone else is very attractive. The nine minutes that Stephen Ray is on screen, yeah. if that, if that, maybe four minutes. She should get awards. He is He is so good at the thing he does the right. scene the clown scene uh-huh. in the streets of paris is a goddamn masterclass it is in like physical performance and there's once this after they've locked after they've locked him away in the coffin in the wall uh-huh. and they have done away with claudia and her new vampire mom and louis discovers what's happened and he's walking down the corridor that smug ass look it's three seconds three seconds of a reaction from Stephen ray that i I, I don't know Uh, like i don't it's when he runs in with no weapon yeah and apparently that was the heart like jordan because they're really close yeah i mean he Stephen ray is in crying game uh, yeah Yeah. i mean is the i think you could call the lead Uh uh-huh 
He is. He's the lead. And so he and Neil Jordan are very close. But Stephen Ray is not still, for fucking reasons, famous. Not nearly as famous as he should be. Because he doesn't look like And so, like, Jordan apparently, yes. Jordan apparently had to fight for Stephen Ray. Right. I'm like, who else? He's incredible. Right. Um, So, real quick, or maybe not real quick. I don't know where we are on time. Whatever. It's Christmas. Chill out, people. yeah. So, you said, and you're absolutely right, this is a very difficult book to condense into a film. Right. So before Anne Rice, obviously before Anne Rice died, with the help of her son, who has, I think, handled a lot of her, mm-hmm. um, you know. Press and PR Yeah, and stuff. for years. Mm-hmm. She was a, an, an, old, an older yeah. lady. Yeah. Uh, signed a deal to make an interview with the vampire television yeah. show. Uh, that, I believe, is at Hulu. And <gasps> as, as long as things go the way they're supposed to go is supposed to come out next year. Oh my God. So there, I just plots. Yes. So there is an, an interest. I read about it. I got caught up. There is an interesting twist uh, because they wanted to set it now. Uh-huh. And so it starts with, I think it probably ignores a lot of the other Vampire Chronicles, maybe not all, but some. So it's in 2021 or whatever, the interviewer. Uh-huh comes back and meets Louis again. Oh. And so you have an older, because I, th- I th- you have an older interviewer. Do you know who's going to write it? Uh, I don't. I know if this holds that Louis, because it's going to, obviously Louis doesn't age, will be played, and I'm, I'm sorry that I can't think of his name off the top of my head. The man who played Grey Worm in Game of Thrones who's one of the most absurdly handsome gentlemen out there. He's also on Doctor Who. He's a British actor. Mm-hmm. Super good looking. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be Louis. I think he's an Australian actor. Is he Australian? Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, that's all I know. It's supposed to be at Hulu. They Originally 2022, fuck knows with everything, you know, yeah. with everything that's going on. But other than this like taking place, the modern day being now, I think it is going to go back and you're going to get uh louis past i also think you're gonna get some of lestat lestat's whatever uh-huh. past in france uh-huh um so i don't know i to me that's exciting yes and to me tv is 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 it's, the only way yeah. to do it at this point it's the only way to do it to get something that a story that is that huge yeah to really kind of like pace it out and get all the information because an one like what is it a hundred minutes or something it just doesn't do the book justice yeah, as you, much as i enjoy it as beautiful as all these sure. men are to look at fendi newton is oh my is god briefly in the movie when she's how she, she, early was, 20s she was just she was she, she wasn't fendi newton yet she no. was just barely becoming fendi newton <laughs> And she's Another absolutely gorgeous. Ridiculously beautiful human being. Yeah, I mean, being. everybody is yeah. so gorgeous <laughs> in this movie. And it's that Southern New Orleans Gothic from like the 1800s. Yeah. And, and yeah, when you still had like a huge French influence yeah. in that area. Costumes are gorgeous. gorgeous. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited 
the idea of a TV show to me is exciting. And again, I feel like an asshole because I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I really like that actor from mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Uh, we should briefly, at least yeah. briefly talk Brief, about Queen of the Dan. briefly talk about Queen of the Dan because I thought we're going to talk about- Townsend is. We're going to talk about Rice. We got to talk about Queen of the Dan. So I got oh. up this morning. Oh, it's 7.30 a.m. Time for Queen of the Dan. Perfect. Um, and I turned it on and I remembered why- <laughs> Why you don't turn on? Why Queen I of don't the turn on Queen of the Dam? Now let's be very honest. Yeah, Aaliyah, Aaliyah, yes, was rest in peace. Rest in peace, Aaliyah Queen uh, was twenty two when she played Akasha. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And she was already also doing kind of next level stuff. She's really beautiful. She was yeah. one of the An most insanely gorgeous, insanely talented, insanely singer. talented. Looks beautiful. Yeah. But I also like. Uh, I don't know. She has there's there's an old soulness yes. about her. She is not the problem with this film. No, no, she's not the problem with this film. Also, I forgot that Lena Olin is in the movie, but for for, <laughs> for two minutes, for two minutes, like this movie needed more Lena Olin. Yes, um, please. I wanted to hear that story. Yes. Um, uh, Stuart Townsend as oh, Lestat. Is it even Stuart Townsend's fault? Though? No, I don't think it is. It's just so terrible. Yes. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think I texted you earlier today. I was like, you know, I think if Lestat were to come back in this century and be a rock star, he would not sound like no vacancy from School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he'd sound like... At like Peter Murphy or Nick Cage yes. or Trent yeah, Reznor totally. or something, yeah. right? Like yes, totally. Or would, even Radiohead. Even or Radiohead. If he was know, being like, sad, if yeah. he was being sad, like he would. If he were like a rock star, yeah. rock star, rock star, or or even though a different decade and different. He would at the very least be fucking Mick Jagger. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say, <laughs> like, Dave Gahan. Yeah, oh like, my god. He would be Dave Gahan yes. or Mick Jagger. Like, or a combination of both. Right. Not the, it's so, I think, I mean, it's, it's such a weird, Hollywood is so fucking weird, man. You have Interview with the Vampire, right? Uh-huh. That's a huge budget. You have Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Antonio Banderas, directed by Neil Jordan. And if y'all don't know Neil Jordan's work, go, go you, find it. You need it. to go find it. I mean, it. this is an insanely talented director. Right. And then Queen of the Damned, they're like, I don't know, give it like a hundred grand. Right. And it's And just, get some unknown guy. Yes. And it's, so it becomes this do you, so do B, you, mo- B movie? Is yeah. it can you even call it a B movie? I think it is okay. a B movie. Yeah. I mean, like, I I think because everybody's maybe they thought, oh, everybody's expectations of Lestat. We can't get some known commodity. We'll, um, get-, <laughs> we'll get an unknown to play Lestat. And I'm like, I'm that's, sorry. No. That's a mistake. That's a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake. You need someone with charisma. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think it's his fault. It's just he was no one. No, and, and he's not. And look, he's this not. This is nothing against Stuart Townsend. He's not Tom Cruise, man. He's not Tom Cruise. I mean, Stuart Townsend is making holiday Hallmark movies. Yeah. That's hey, what he's, and good, good for him. Good on you, Stuart Good on Townsend. him. Yeah. But Tom Cruise is not. <laughs> he's still playing Ethan Hunt, and he, he's like almost 60 years exactly, old. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, uh, he's the poster yeah. boy of a major multi-billion yeah. dollar cult. Yes. So, like, you. Absolutely. You They're know, like, give me Cruise. That'll sell it. Exactly. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, Queen of the Damned. It's it is it is. It's convoluted. There's two. Okay. So the book is very. The, the, in the book, there are lots of storylines. A lot lines. of things going on. There are a lot of things going on. You're learning about 
Lestat's origins. Uh huh. Armand is in the book. Yeah. Also, another character, Marius, is in the book. Yeah, who's a huge part of the Chronicles. He's a yeah. huge part of the Chronicles. And Marius is the caretaker, quote, air quotes, of Akasha, uh-huh. who is like the ancient queen of the vampires right. that goes ba- predates Egypt. Yeah, which is I badass. Love, because, yeah, I love this mythology. Because this is also, I think, Rice paying homage to the fact that vampires have existed in culture and mythology for thousands of fucking years. Right. So Akasha is played by Aaliyah. Yeah. And she, I can't remember the name of the, of, of the, of this, of what Egypt was in the book, what Egypt was before it was Egypt. But anyway, so she's like this ancient queen and in Anne Rice's mythology, when you get that old, when you're that old of a vampire, like, you kind of stop functioning as a human and you need very little blood. Yeah. Like you get so powerful that any blood that you get just sends you over the edge. So you're mostly in dormant yeah. stage. Which and, Underworld sort of steals that mythology. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so this is what Akasha is. But Lestat is so charismatic. Yeah, man. He's such a big rock star. He's a fucking rock star, Chris. Right? Like on the level of Nickelback. <laughs> Yes. That yes. Akasha wakes up. Uh-huh. And wants to be wants him to be the new king. Yes. of the vampires. And so there's that storyline and then there's another storyline of the two vampire witches. I can't remember their names, but they start with M. One of them is played by Lena Olin, um who are kind of trying to stop Akasha. Yes. And there's just a lot, a lot happening going on in the novel that you cannot possibly cover in it, an 85 minute movie. No. And especially in an 85 minute movie that has, I mean, relatively speaking, a very low budget. Yeah. For, it, it, so it's just, it's a weird. It's so boring. It's like, you can't even call it a sequel. No. It doesn't exist in the same. It's so world. fucking boring. Yeah. It's so boring and it moves so slow. And I don't know who, like, I think that whoever, I mean, I don't know who the director is, but it was kind of like vampires, they talk slow. Right. They're real sexy. Yeah, right? this is how you talk. So like that is the extent of their vampire characteristic. It's talking slow. And there's the no- slow talking yeah, vampires. There's like no nuance. <laughs> there's no kind of like fighting to get back your humanity. Right. There, there's there's no, nothing. There's no reality to it. It's a cartoon of a vampire. Yeah, and what's a shame- well, I mean, whatever. Hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, my hope, again, I don't know what's going to happen with the show, but my hope is that they're. I think they're calling the show Interview with the Vampire because, look, that's how you market the shit. Like, Absolutely. let's not kid. But my hope is that if the show lasts, uh-huh. that you'll get to go into these other stories from the Vampire Chronicles in a way that you... Because... Look, it's not interview is not the only good book, right? It's I mean I think probably the most famous, right? Yeah, and Lestat's it's for, really and it's good. For, yeah, I mean the whole the the Aspen tro- loves yeah. Lestat. Lestat's and, great, and I also love Queen of the Damned. Yeah, and so and like I love the idea that he becomes a rock star mm-hmm. because why the fuck wouldn't you? Right, I mean if you were a vampire, that's what you would come yes, back as, right? Exactly, if a you're rock like, star or a fucking supermodel. Yeah, some someone who's I mean. And in like terms of rock star, especially when this was written, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, who's fucking worshipped 
Right. Like worshipped like a fucking God. Right. So why wouldn't you do that? I mean, I I love that. To and me, I that's also amazing. love that that doesn't, that doesn't come out of nowhere. I mean, when Lestat was human back in the 1700s, yeah. he was an actor musician. Yes. Like that's, and I, I, I've always and, loved that yeah. he was an actor. And you find out in, I think it's in Lestat. I can't remember if it's in Lestat or the Vampire Armand. He bought the fucking theater. Right. For them, which then, I mean, I know she's writing this after, is like why they're so fucking angry that Louis killed him. Mm -hmm. It's like, not only did you kill one of our own, he was our benefactor. Right. And I love that he was like, I'll buy you a theater. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. It's the the only thing he loves. Everything else, fuck it. Yes. Perform, like he is about performance. Right. right? Anyway, uh, man. I could talk. I mean, she is a she's a seminal writer in in American popular culture. Uh, yeah, I, I legendary. Don't, yeah, truly. And I don't know. This is strange to say, and I know that we have every generation some form of book seems to break through, like we did with Potter, Harry Potter, like Twilight or whatever. Um, look, man, I don't know. People don't read like they used to, and that's not me being an old man. That's, no, it's, it's just it's true. It's just true. I mean, there are just so many more mm-hmm. uh, options, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know that we'll. I don't know that we'll ever see the likes of her again. Ever. Um, I don't think so either. Yeah. I think she was one of the one of the last ones of of that. I don't know of that ilk. Yeah. Yeah. And she influenced so many like multi-generations but yeah. like she she influenced so many of us like little theater people and goth people yeah. and like horror lovers and i think she's one of those people one of those very few writers i mean and i mean very few writers throughout history who you even if you are unfamiliar completely with ann rice you are into something or have been into something that she directly influenced, yeah. whether you know it or not. Yep. Um, and I, I, that's just so rare. It's so rare. Uh, so it, to me, it is a huge loss. And I know, Hey, look, she, she lived a hell of a life like, and, yep. and, and was an older woman. And, and I, I, but still, it's, it's still, still a huge, huge loss. loss. It's a huge loss. Um, Rest in peace, queen yeah. and rice. We love you. We'll always love you. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And and it was fun to, it was fun to talk about her and, uh, yeah. So we'll come back. I mean, it's, you know, it's almost Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, we will probably be back if not before new year's right after new year's. Yeah. Maybe we'll try to get in. We'll see. Maybe we'll try to get into like an end of year special. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know what that will be. Of the nine movies that came out. (laughs) (laughs) Which ones are your favorite in order? Uh, Your nine top (laughs) movies. Um, All right, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.